Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a roundtable conversation about all things pop culture with members of the But Why Though writing staff. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined this week by Catherine. Hi, everyone. And Charles. Hello. This week, we're going to be talking about launches and specifically the weird ways that uh, culture and companies and communities put pressure on uh, on launches and on participating in them. But first, the news. Uh, there's always a lot going on, so we just want to zero in on a couple things uh this week it's it's kind of a weird week it's not quite doldrums but like it's just not as busy as it's been previously um one big thing that i thought was worth discussing is the disney plus steelbooks that got announced did you guys see this only yes. recently yes so basically disney is taking their handful of shows that everybody loved and saying uh we're going to make these available for for physical purchase to add to your collection which when I first heard that, I was like, this seems counter to a streaming service to be like, hey, just buy it and keep it forever and you can cancel. Um, but then we were talking about it very, very briefly, uh, Charles, and you had said something about the vault and how that's maybe this actual strategy here. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like it wouldn't shock me if it was another instance of Disney being like, OK, we're going to put these things out for, you know, six months and then they're going to disappear. So if you want them, you can buy them. But, you know, if you mm -hmm. miss it. It's always on Disney Plus. And in five years, it'll come back or yeah. whatever. I mean, and I'm sure that, yeah. and I'm sure probably at this point, they'll probably also only release things that have been out for a couple of years, like WandaVision or the first season of Mandalorian, where if you care, mm -hmm. you've probably already seen it. So nothing that's going to yeah. actively detract from the new stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just an interesting strategy of like, how do you rotate things out and when will we get those other things? Yeah. Yeah, they may be hoping that, you know, it's one of those, you know, people who have haven't gotten Disney Plus will pick up Mandalorian season one and be like, oh, this is awesome. I want to watch all of it. Oh, I need that's Disney true. Plus for the, yeah. mm -hmm. the old bait it's, and switch. Okay, so it's uh, Loki season one, which is getting a season two, WandaVision, and then seasons one and two of Mandalorian. So an incomplete series, a series that is continuing but not out yet, and a series that might be over are what's getting adapted. Um and yeah, it's just, it's interesting that the fact that they're doing Steelbook only, I think it's like 50 bucks a pop to get these. Um, that's, that's I don't steep. know if it comes with the digital code or not. Um, but yeah, it's, it feels a little bit steep, like $50 for a season of a TV show, I think is what I was paying for things in like 2006. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially since those are like six to eight episodes. Oh, that's part. true. Yeah, I was I was paying like 40 bucks for a season of Futurama and that was coming with like 20, 20. episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, per episode, that's almost like the old anime rate of, you know, 20 bucks for a single disc and the season's made up of five discs sort mm -hmm. of rate. That's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, and Disney. It'll be interesting to see how it goes and to see if it influences other streaming services. I know that historically Netflix used to do DVDs and I think they stopped uh, because I only have seasons one and two of Stranger Things on DVD um, and season three still is not out and I doubt it ever will. Um, has Hulu done physical releases? I feel like they might have. I'm never sure what's actually like a Hulu original or what mm -hmm. they just got from one of the broadcasts. That's they... true. And uh, H HBO does do physical though. Um, they have for sure like you can pick up Titans on Blu-ray if you really want it. Um, not going to say that you should, just saying that it's out there. <laughs> and uh, Last of Us, they just announced, is getting a, a Blu-ray release. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so, like, okay, so right now you're saying that they're currently releasing them out per season. But 
isn't there a variable where like they would just like when a, a series ends like completely ends they just make a compound like big addition type oh thing? they definitely do that yeah but then you also you get the dumb stuff like i remember seeing a game of thrones box set but it was only seasons one through six so you were still gonna have to buy the next two seasons oh not in the box set not in the nice little package uh it was very weird that something happened like that with me with um sons of anarchy i got a deluxe that had every season but the last one but it had slots in the holder for the discs at least so that's cool they went with the kenner star wars strategy of selling people a cardboard box with space for the things you will get well that one was like a big heavy like it, it looked like the table yeah. that they had and stuff it was a whole that's big cool thing, and actually i can i can support that that they they knew they were releasing it prematurely so they at least and to make space it. for it. Yeah. Uh, and then moving on, we have some PlayStation news. So first up, there was a, there's a price increase coming for PlayStation Plus. Is that right? Yes. Um, so the way it's going is the essential plan, which was $59.99 a year, is now going up to $79.99 a year. The extra, which was $99.99 a year, is now going up to $134.99. And then premium, which was one nineteen ninety nine, is now going to be one fifty nine ninety nine. So like thirty percent. How how now? How does that math out though with Xbox and Game Pass? Uh, if you do um Xbox, um the basic is eleven dollars a month. Um, ultimate is seventeen dollars a month. So it's still cheaper, but you don't get all the first party day and dates that microsoft does i mean Mm -hmm. granted they're still having theirs aren't as rock solid as playstations are all the time you know but Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean like i mean it to me it says something that like you know like one of the big headliners for this month with playstation is that sea of stars got day and date which is awesome it's also day and date with game pass and like with game pass it's like oh that's cool but it's not the head it's not a headliner thing because they're getting Starfield, of course. So yeah, you know. But yeah, that is a that is a steep price increase, though, for uh, a yearly subscription. So but you guys are getting it, it right. Hmm. You guys are no. you guys are getting it right. Oh, I don't even have a I'm PlayStation. I'm still on PS4, uh, and I I already have Game Pass, so that's where I get most of my stuff. Um, if I made more money, I would consider doing Playstations as well. But I'm good where I am um which oh well i guess that's a good question too for context of this conversation what platforms do you guys game on uh i do strictly now only pc and like a switch i have yet to get a playstation 5 it's in the docket okay yeah uh i have everything but a playstation 5 (laughs) okay and i have a ps4 a series x and a switch although Catherine, i think you might have the the smartest setup i feel like with pc and switch you cover literally everything except for playstation exclusives yeah but and plus with playstation 2 like i don't i don't really believe them anymore when they say they have exclusive content because like they've had (laughs) exclusive content and then just ends up getting ported to pc over time anyway but like it's a a long way that's true right yeah like if you're if you're patient you can get it no one's patient (laughs) no that's also true that's that's its own episode yeah um but yeah, so big price increase, not super thrilled about it. And then the other, it's not actually a price increase. It's just a new thing they're offering is the PlayStation Portal, which is, um, it's a dual sense controller split in half with, I think, a seven or eight inch screen in the middle. That sounds right. Um, looks 
kind of kind of goofy not as sleek as like the switch or the steam deck where it's like one cohesive shape because it does have the handles of the dual sense um but the bigger thing here is that this is not a successor to the vita this is a remote play device basically yeah is that is that a fair assessment yeah it seems like um it seems like the primary use case for this device is like if you have the money for it and you're in a situation where like you're in a one tv household where you have you know either a roommate or a partner who they want to watch tv you want to keep playing playstation Mm -hmm. you can play it on there while the tv is being used for something else seems like the primary which i mean how many people fall into that venn diagram of have the money for it and have that situation yeah yeah and that's kind of been my issue with this is it the the more that has come out about this the less appealing it has sounded but also the more specific it has sounded because it's so it's a screen and it's controls but it can't play games like there aren't games for it it streams games, but it only streams them if you own them on PS5. You can't like buy this device and stream from the cloud or anything, like stream from from Sony proper. It, and so it is such a specific use case. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise to me was when it was announced that um uh, it that it, it you couldn't like you couldn't stream any of the games that like I know there are games on the PlayStation Plus service that are streamable, like some of the older games. And it surprised me that it can't it can't access those. It has to come from your PlayStation. That does seem like an odd choice. But. Yeah. And it, I think the other thing they said that kind of killed it for me is that this is also something that works best if you're on the same network. You can use it elsewhere, but they were saying like you know the the best thing to do is to be in the in the room. So it also loses like the fun factor of like oh I can take it to work and you know and play on my lunch break or whatever. Um, or rather, if you do that, you're going to sacrifice like, you know, latency and lag and um, and all that stuff. And so, I yeah, I just don't quite know who this is for, but it's another thing Sony's taken a swing at. And it's I mean, it's interesting. I just don't know who it's for. I agree. I think I think it's kind of weird. It kind of disappointed me because the Vita was like kind of niche to certain people and it did really well. So you would think with this new handheld by them, it would be the same thing, but it's not. It's a little bit weird. A little bit clunky. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard that they were doing another handheld, I was like, cool, like yeah. give Nintendo some healthy competition. Um, and this just isn't even sort of that for some reason. I feel like they're maybe trying just to approach something different because with Steam Deck out uh, and then Switch has been doing really well, maybe they just want to like try a different market. But what that... Get in what, the handheld space, yeah. Yeah, maybe some sort of different focus than what the deck and switch is doing but mm-hmm. who knows i'm just being optimistic for them because <laughs> it doesn't make yeah, any sense no i i mean i'm i'm all for people experimenting and trying to push into new to new areas and to try to progress what they're doing yeah. um i don't know that this is it but i'm you know i'm curious to see maybe it'll come out and people are like actually this is really excellent and and was worth having um but yeah it's just it's a bummer because it looked like it was going to be a gaming device and it's not And with all that out of the way, let's get on to the main conversation, which is launches and specifically the the pressure to participate at launch. This, for me, came about when I was um, just seeing, I mean, really, anytime something comes out, I've noticed this of like, if you don't play this game or don't buy this game, they're not going to make more um, or they're not going to support it and give us updates. And if you don't go see the movie, they're not going to make another one. And you know, this is somehow this is our fault if it fails. And it's like, well, it would fail if it's not good. 
like plenty of things have like a soft launch and then once word of mouth gets around they're really big um now granted there are games that they they have a bad launch and no one plays them and then they don't get support like anthem for example um but that was also kind of a special case but yeah how how do you guys feel about this like have you noticed this pressure to participate with the launch of items yeah i mean definitely there's always a certain element of um from a lot of different places i feel like that it's it, there is always that key pressure whether it's from uh whether it is like you said we know that you know like um what was it when uh I think it was an interview with one of the directors who made Days Gone for Sony. There was a quote from him about how, you know, like not enough people bought it early on. They waited for sales and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. at that point, the company doesn't really, it's not really counting towards whether or not it's successful because you're getting at a discount and blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. um, and stuff. So like, there's always that, of course, there's, I mean, then of course, there's just cultural pressure. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's, you know, nobody wants to be FOMO or something like that. So yeah, there's always those sorts of things. And, and, you know, tying into like, um, our last episode as well, like when there's also, I feel like that pressure of we ourselves know that with so much content coming out, if I don't do it now, while everyone's talking about it, will I ever do it? Because next week the new thing will be out Mm -hmm. and I'll be thinking about that. And I think it's definitely exists from a lot of places, some intended, some just kind of organically developing in how media is these days, but. Definitely. Um, I, I feel similar. Uh, I think, I, but I think with like, with that, it's like an interesting observation of how like we as people kind of perceive and view that and feeling like we need to be involved. Um, I, mm-hmm. I have that trouble too sometimes. Like I'll get really hyped up for like a launch for something, especially like a franchise that has been like a series and it's been well or maybe not have been well, but the community is really great and responsive for it. Yeah. Um, but there's like I feel like there's that line that we all kind of have to, I guess, come to and decide whether we are or not. Uh, and that's just like based on other, I guess, other aspects of our lives, whether we we came in. I sometimes do. Uh, sometimes I don't. And when I don't, I, I it just ends up in a backlog. And that's like forever. Yeah. That's a like forever like file for me <laughs> well there there are certain games that it's just if you don't have someone to talk to about it it's not as fun yeah um and then there are other games i think um animal crossing is a great example where like you can play animal crossing anytime and have fun but the most fun you'll have with an animal crossing game is playing it when literally everyone else is yeah and and so that's one where it's like there's this pressure to participate because you're like not only it, it, with a game like that, it actually impacts your experience of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause if like I had friends who picked it up after the, you know, initial hype had died down, which was, you know, more than a year after it came out. Um, and it was just like, Oh yeah. Like, let me go find my copy and I'll boot it up and I'll, you know, bring you some stuff for your Island. But all of that, like energy and excitement and discussion and like, Oh, Hey, I have good turnip prices. Come to my Island and do this. Like all of that was kind of gone which was a bummer for them because it was, you know, kind of what makes those games is the community. Um, but yeah, on the flip side of that, I do try to to resist it when I feel like I don't actually benefit. And I also personally, I reject the idea, and this is very early to say this, I reject the idea that it's ever the community's fault that something fails because we didn't spend enough money on it at the start. 
Um, that is very much a studio choice or, a, you know, investor choice. Like when Netflix puts out a, a show and it doesn't get enough views in the first week. So they decide it's canceled. Yeah. And it's like, well, you you gave it no time to grow. Um, or they gave bad like uh, promotion or like lack of marketing. Too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, you have to look at that. And with, with shows, it's a little bit different, I guess, because it's, you know, if it's streaming, it's people are already bought in with games. It's interesting because you're basically saying you're upset that people didn't throw down $70 sight unseen. Yeah. And a lot of the times, like I will wait for reviews on games because if I'm not, you know, if I don't trust the company or the franchise or whatever, because I want to make sure that that $70 isn't wasted. So maybe we also need to bring back the demo. Oh my something. god, I miss that. Remember demo disc days? <laughs> Those were yeah. so great. Would be huge. Like let yeah. that be a little download um, like of just like, hey, here's, you know, in here's something in the Xbox store. It's like uh 20 minute clips of 10 games that are in Game Pass for the month. Download it, play them, see what you think, maybe get Game Pass. Yeah. Um and some games still do it. Like Resident Evil I think has been pretty good about doing demos lately. Yeah. Um I I wish I wish that we got more demos. I do understand, you know, every time, you know, a demo for some huge game comes out and then a week later you're hearing about how people hacked into the background and learned this, that, or the other plot beat because there was a file in there that needed to be there so that something would run and it turns out it cues in on some moment that you're not supposed to know about yet, but, you know, people hacked into the file and suddenly you know stuff you're not supposed to and spoilers are getting out onto the Mm -hmm. internet and... So, like, I do understand that there's all kinds of difficulties with demos, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely really tough in that way for to have that pressure to be right at the at the front of it. Especially since, I mean, simultaneously, while um, there seems to be more and more pressure, there is more like, you know, games are huge these days. I'm still playing Baldur. I'm like 20 hours into Baldur's Gate 3 because I had to take a week off to play it to yep. review CS stats. And it's like... I'm getting spoilers and all kinds of other... I'm starting to get little spoilers and stuff online. I'm like, no, please, this is a huge game. I haven't had a chance yet. Um, yeah. But, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely... And and with the way that, you know, I wish... Gaming, I feel, is particularly rough sometimes with it because more so than any other media, it still has that perce- perception to it of, like, september like august now it's kind of pushed back to august through november is like major release every other week because we're headed towards christmas and it's like Mm -hmm. guys i it's kind of like it's kind of like may and june for the action movies it's like i can't do this this is too much um so like even when you're interested in one sometimes you just have to wait a little while because even if you can afford it you know you don't have time to do it like yep but yeah how do you guys guys do it Hmm? Like, when, how do you guys do it when, when faced with that situation or circumstance, like coming up on holidays and like all these games coming out? How do you guys like go about deciding whether or not we'll cave in? Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 mostly just the things that interest me the most. If it's if it's really worth it to me. I mean, there are a lot of games that like especially I mean, and part of it is, is also you know, like how convinced I am it's going to do well, like. I'm excited to play another Mortal Kombat game. Am I going to get it next month when it comes out? No, I'll probably wait till I can get it for like 30 bucks because I'm not in a rush. I'll, I I pretty much just play the single player mode, which usually tops mm-hmm. out at like eight-ish hours anyways. So, 
But, you know, Mario, I will probably, just because it's not like that's ever going to get any cheaper anyways. Because, you know, Nintendo doesn't believe mm-hmm. in putting their stuff priced down. So that I'll probably get. And that and I expect it to be amazing anyways because it's a 2D Mario game. When have they ever not been amazing? Um, yeah, I, I think for me, that's kind of what I look at is like, where's my excitement? What do I trust? Um, and then what I'll, what I'll sometimes do, like, especially leading into the holidays is it's like, which of these two or three games do I want to guarantee that I get? And which do I want to gamble asking, you know, my parents to get it for me for Christmas or something? Yeah. Um, and like, you know, even as a hypothetical, that question helps me figure it out where I'm like, which one of these am I okay not getting? And, you know, having to, to buy later, um, and it's like, okay, yeah, I clearly have a preference here. That's that's what I'll buy. And I think this kind of goes back to the conversation I had with uh, Kate and Jason last week about just like the saturation of media that we have, where I have to also just sometimes let things go and accept that yeah. like I'm not going to play that game at launch and I might not get to it for a while. Um, I don't think I got to Elden Ring for like six months and I still haven't finished it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's one that was tough for me because, like, there was so much push and, um, which actually reminds me of something that I wanted to bring up, but there was so much, but I'll get to in a moment, but, like, there was so much push for that game and, like, everything about that game, every major descriptor of that game is something that I don't want to have anything to do with. (laughs) I'm not a huge open world player. I don't like the Mm -hmm. brutal combat and I hate games that are just like, here's a sword, here's a shield to figure out the rest for yourself. But there was so much push for that game. I was so tempted to just be like, well, maybe I'll like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. Um, But speaking of Elden Ring made me think of um, something that I feel like kind of ties into the pressure of doing things right away that um, Mm -hmm. and this is something that's always existed. But ever since the lockdown days of the pandemic, it it always annoyed me. But since those days, like I, I have a visceral reaction to it is whenever I'm like listening to a podcast or something and I hear about how, you know, oh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom sold 3 million copies over the first weekend. Everyone is playing this game. I hate that phrase. Like 3 million copies on a, on a platform that has that sold 120 million units isn't even everyone with a Switch playing this game, let alone yeah, that's everyone point. playing this game. I know what people mean by it. They're just hyped or yeah. whatever, but like, I w- when I went through lockdown and I was felt super isolated already and then I frequently am one of the people who are not playing the game that everyone is playing. So like mm-hmm. it just really had a negative reaction to me. And ever since then, like when and, and it seems like every time there's a big game or like or if it's a movie, oh, everyone's watching this movie. Everyone's watching The Last of Us. And it's like, no, can you please stop saying that? Because everyone is not watching The Last of Us. It's not playing. No show pulls those kind of numbers. But which I feel like just kind of goes into the whole like, oh, well, everyone's doing it. I should, I, I need to be doing it, right? And just builds on that whole pressure thing that. Do you guys think it's always mm-hmm. been that way though? Like the the more the marketing since the pandemic of like everyone's doing this thing or has it always existed, but it just was more amplified and we kept with it post pandemic. Oh yeah. I, I, mean, like, I feel like it's always been there. Oh yeah, for but sure. For some it's, reason, I think it's like this, like as you were saying, Charles, it's like kind of trauma response to like, I I want to have time. Yeah. I want to be included in that as well. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, that and also it is just like, I feel like it also is, it just builds into everything else with more stuff coming out that we have to be more choosy. So there's more instances where it feels like I'm not involved. 
Um, mm-hmm. It seems like it also seems like for a while they're like going back to the games example um, where it feels like during like the 360 era and even like the mm. for a lot of the Xbox One PS4 era, like a lot more of the games that were focused on were cross platform. Now, it seems like a lot mm-hmm. of the hype games have gone back to being exclusive, at least, you know, timed exclusives on console for the consoles and stuff so like there's less opportunity to play some of them because you have to have all the systems if you're going to play them all and stuff which is another added expense and stuff so and yeah and i feel like it's just is just it just has become more and more noticeable as i hear it more and more because there's more games every year that you know that get that response because somehow a lot of people are still buying all of these games seems like every year there's more that are hitting those three million in the first week max and stuff that's just like Mm -hmm. i can't i can't do it but yeah i i think the inundation of games and the like you said the everyone's playing it it's like that's not true it's just that a lot of people are playing it um and i think also that the pressure to you know to join in or to do it is complicated with like we talked about like not every game is for everyone so you know, aside from the idea that I'm throwing down money on something that I haven't played, um, the idea of throwing down money on something that I might actually hate, and I did it because I wanted to participate, and then I can't participate, but, you know, return policies are not stellar with gaming, so outside of, like, I think, what, Steam's two-hour policy, are they the only ones that have something like that? Um, I believe so. I don't think that any of the consoles have anything like that. You have to have, like, a fundament, like, the thing has to not be functional. Yeah. Which is is too bad, because I feel like with Steam, like, I remember a co-worker um, was debating getting Baldur's Gate, but he wasn't sure if his computer would run it, and I was like, just buy it and if it doesn't work return it like steam is the only place where you can actually do that right now did with digital purchases um and yeah i just would like to see more people do that again it's it goes back to the demo issue of like i don't you know i already don't like the hype around like well you have to do it especially when there's like pre-order bonuses of like well if you buy it even before it's out you know and give us that money now we're gonna give you a special cape that you can wear yeah um like that that kind of stuff but i mean there are people who who go in for that who are like yeah i'm gonna absolutely buy this um now one area of this that i want to talk about with games before we maybe explore other media is expansions to games Mm. i haven't played a lot of games that have that as a core feature but does the same pressure exist there with like world of warcraft and destiny and stuff like that where it's like new you know new expansion dropped like is there the same pressure of like got to get back into the game and play it again um i would say yeah as someone who's like played destiny since like day one launch and then like since they rolled out um like post i guess post activision uh when they started doing Mm -hmm. like the season passes and stuff i would say there is because this that's one of those games where like it's you kind of have to keep at it to kind of know all the 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 best gear and like the best like mix of everything to be on top of story at some point but now Mm. stories don't really matter anymore i want to say yeah Um, but i mean that tracks with what i know of of that game yeah it's kind of sad but yeah for in my experience it it i was kind of in that for a long while until they started doing like more season it kind of kept with that and then i kind of just fell off because to me the price that they're asking for uh wasn't for me worth it i kind of only gave into it for as long as i did because i was playing with friends and for me destiny was that of playing with friends in the community which i really loved back when it was only on console 
um, yeah, it's, it was a thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm now I'm comparing it in my head to my time with Overwatch, which wasn't pressure to participate at launch. It was pressure to never stop participating. Um, and that was more because the updates to that game would change the meta. Yeah. And so there was one time where I didn't play for like six months and then I came back to it and I did not recognize the game anymore. Like it had, it had altered so significantly. Characters had completely been reworked into how they function on a basic level. Yeah. And it's, it's just, a, it was a frustrating experience. And then I would decided I'm just done with Overwatch. And then Overwatch 2 came out and I was like, I'm really done with Overwatch uh, after trying to play that one. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just such a weird thing. And again, because a lot of it is like, to me, a lot of the conversations around like you have to is more like placing potential blame where if it doesn't do well, it's your fault. Um, which is, again, it's a studio decision when something gets, you know, not continued or canceled or whatever. Um, it can have nothing to do with the quality of the product. It doesn't mean it's a bad game or a bad show it means that it didn't look right on a ledger fast enough and now it's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Well, that, and also, I mean like the other thing that is like the, the, that, that whole aspect of the pressure thing that um really doesn't make sense when you think about it is at the end of the day, like the media we're supposed to, pre- we're supposed to buy media that we want to buy. We get it because mm-hmm. we enjoy it. We get it because it interests it because it works for us. If there's a game that I don't feel like buying, whether they're going to not make another one or not, if I don't want to buy it, I sh- just shouldn't buy it. Like it's it's my money. It's my enjoyment that we're talking about. It's not. I never. Mm-hmm. I never owe a franchise. Oh well, you know, I've had three Xboxes and I've always loved them. So if they put out a new one, I better be there when they first launch yeah. to get it because. I owe them? No. I've given them money. Yeah. They've given me entertainment. That's the deal. That's the exchange. Yeah, you're not an investor in in Halo. Yeah. Like, it's not your fault that Halo Infinite didn't do great. Yeah. It's Halo Infinite's fault that Halo Infinite didn't do great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always so, like, that, that whole, like, yeah, w- whenever someone talks about that or... I mean, I'm so thankful that we've gotten to, like, the, the only time I kind of got into that, I remember back in the day with like the pre MCU superhero movies where we would go to every superhero movie. Cause we just wanted them. We wanted to see them mm-hmm. on the big screen and like, man, suffering through ghost rider was a heck of an experience. Let me tell you. But um, <laughs> I did not go to the second one of those, no matter what, what, one way or the other. But, um, and like, cause we did just want them and we were hoping that, you know, Hey, if we, they, we keep going, eventually they'll get good ones. And eventually we got them. But um mm-hmm. it's it is always tough because there is there is that thought that you know if we if we support it eventually we'll get a good one just like with video game adaptations you know we you know there was a long time where a video game movie was just considered to be doa before you ever even saw a trailer because mm-hmm. it's a video game movie and now we're getting some good ones and that's awesome but you know it's it is it, it is tough to want to get caught and then you, you know sometimes you get caught up in you know, even more complicated things. Like I remember like the, all kinds of the discourse around like um, the last Jedi when that came out and discussions mm-hmm. about if you didn't like that movie, we weren't going to get movies that had minorities and leads and female leads. And it's like, yeah, that's a, that the fear mongering I think is a big part of it with movies. 
Um, and I, the, the sad thing is I don't know that I can say that it's necessarily a misplaced fear. Um, but the number of people who are like, if you don't turn out for blue beetle, we're never going to get another Latino superhero. If you don't turn out for, um, everything everywhere all at once, we're not going to get another Asian led sci-fi film, like that kind of stuff where it's like, it's not true, but it is true, but it's like, it's a very ugly situation. And it's also a very unfair situation to put people in. It's, um, it's, it's one of those situations where like it, th- there is undoubtedly an, a, an amount of truth to it. And if it is true though, is that really my problem or is that someone else's problem that, Oh, one movie had a Latino lead and it didn't do what we wanted. So, I mean, white people lead movies all the time and they bomb, but we keep giving, getting movies led by them. So <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that tell you? Is, is the problem me or is the problem yeah. a studio exact? Like, well, and it, yeah, it also shows that the studios aren't looking past those most obvious initial details yeah. where it's like this movie didn't do well yeah. and had a black woman in the lead there. And like, if they're saying therefore black women in the lead doesn't sell, they're failing to look at like, well, was the movie actually good yeah. or was it just not a good movie? And that's why it didn't do, you know? And that, I mean, that I think is kind of at the core of all of this. The I think the reason I so strongly react against the, you have to see it opening weekend, you have to buy it opening day or whatever is that, most things I would argue that's not a good indicator. Yeah. Like how many movies have come out and then had a massive drop off in their second weekend because people realized it wasn't good or the inverse where everyone, you know, like a couple of people go and see it and then they tell all their friends and then their friends all go and see it. Mm. And that second weekend gets bigger or, you know, I mean, cult classics don't really follow this rule because those could not get popular for like 20 years and then suddenly be very popular. But there is this thing where, you're not acknowledging the whole market. You're not acknowledging the people who maybe like payday wasn't, didn't line up with the launch of this game, or they didn't have, you know, a babysitter until the third weekend that this movie was out. Um, I think putting so much on launch is unfair to the art and doesn't leave, leave it any room to breathe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there, there are so many factors that can go into that, those sorts of numbers. Um, that to just say to, to just kind of slap that um quick little well it didn't do what we wanted immediately so what's the point um is definitely a oversimplification there's always so many um op- there's there's so many um factors that can go on what's going on in the world what's you know what else is happening you know if some weird um, unpredictable thing like, you know, Bobby Heimer or something pops up that causes people to mm-hmm. go see a movie that they never would have because they are just going to do the double head, double feature that everyone's making jokes about, you know, like yeah. you just never know. Um, well, or, you know, the, the people who announced their launch date later than you, I remember a really re a recent one that I thought was really funny was there was whatever the latest Sonic the Hedgehog game was, um, but it had its launch weekend or its launch day picked and then, like, a little bit later, it was, like, God of War Ragnarok is coming out the same day. And Sega refused to pivot. They were just like, whatever, we have our game coming out when it comes out. I don't know how much those sales cannibalized each other. <laughs> but, like, it is a really interesting thing. of Like, they saw that this massive game that a ton of people are waiting for is coming out. And they were like, we don't really care. Um, and, I like, I think I backed that decision because I think those offered two very different gameplay experiences. Um, 
and you know there might be some overlap on that Venn diagram, but it's not a it's not a perfect circle. Um, but yeah, you you know you don't always get Barbenheimer synergy. Sometimes you get this weird like, well, we're just kind of screwed because now three gigantic movies are coming out, or you know we're coming out the weekend after a huge movie and the weekend before a huge movie. What do we do? Like, there's no marketing that can get you out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes like I mean like happily like I was. Really happy to see this fall. Um, it was Alan Wake 2 just a little while ago because it was supposed to come out, I believe, the week after Spider-Man 2 and the week before Super Mario Wonder. And like a week or two ago, they were like, we're pushing back to January or December. I forget exactly when that it was. Might be but smart. like, we're getting out of Dodge because it's just not going to happen. This is going to murder us. And it is nice. And it was nice that, that, that not only were they willing to do it, but they were very clear about like, there's not technical problems. Nobody freak out. The game's not on fire. It's just that we know we can't compete with these two juggernauts. It's just going to mm-hmm. kill us. So like, I mean, and why not? I mean, if anything, I'm sure probably a lot of people like, oh, thank God. I was trying to figure out how I was going to manage <laughs> to do that. But now I don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and it, and and even though like there is always that like, Sometimes you get those setups and like we kind of want it. Like I remember when um, Batman vs. Superman was announced and it was going to be on the same week as mm-hmm. Civil War. And we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's see how this goes. But then, yeah. but then eventually it moved off because it's not a good call to do that. But Oh, not at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it is. Yeah, there's it. it is definitely an interesting thing with. I mean, yeah, the. The pressures on a lot of different um, directions and stuff is always a very tricky thing to manage. And at the end of the day, you know, like we all mm-hmm. have to make our own choices. And, you know, if it's something that we want to do and we can afford to, you know, and if we can't, then we have to be mindful yeah. of our limitations and not succumb to yep. all the pressures. And the limitations of your wallet. Yeah. Don't get crushed by the gears of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's I think that's a very real thing is that a lot of this like we have to do it this way is it's not because you know like okay so say you know blue beetle doesn't do the numbers that dc wanted it doesn't mean that you know superhero movies are dead it doesn't mean that movies led by a latino man are dead it just means that that movie you know didn't do numbers um but there is that like investor mentality like it's not like people don't want to still make those movies um it's a question of do people want to back those movies financially um and I feel like that's kind of what's ruining it here. I mean, same with game studios. Like they want to see a return. They want to see um, people invested, maybe even bought into some kind of season pass or microtransaction system. This does bring up a question though. How do you guys feel about, how do, how do you think this interplays with games that are eventually good? Because there are games that come out and they're like, eh, this isn't great. And then they rebalance it and update it. And everyone's like, okay, now this rules. Like now this is good. Like cyberpunk. Like that, and like, uh, what was it No Man's Sky? Like those? Oh yeah, like, like No Man's Sky is a great example. Like yeah. that's a game that like launched disastrously, but eventually got very good. I think that's like with 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 No Man's Sky it was like a a diff a, an instance of like them being pressured by uh, having this like really ambitious vision for their game at the time, and people re- being really stoked about it, um, and then the pressure to deliver. And I think because of that, they just kind of crumbled. And then we holding this expectation of what they presented, it just didn't come to light. And it, I think that's kind of like, I don't know who's to blame and I don't want to like place blame. But I think 
over time, yeah, it did get better. Uh, but that's just comes from, I guess, us as consumers and gamers wanting to allow them that space to do that. Like, I think we all kind of mm -hmm. knew they were capable of doing it, but we all just didn't have time. But we also, at the same time, acknowledging that uh, punished them for it as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And th that's where I think the way that we engage content, even before it's out, is really weird. Like, a, an example that comes to mind is um, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Mm -hmm. which got a trailer and people were like, okay. And then it got like a full gameplay thing and some of the systems of the game explained and the community around like that, that was aimed at like the people who played the, the Rocksteady Arkham games were like, Hey, we want to be excited about this. And this isn't good. Like they got so much blowback that they pushed off the launch of the game and they're retooling it because people engaged before it was even out. And I think that maybe that's where, if we're going to talk about the, you know, pressure to participate, at least with video games, it's almost like better to be engaged early on and to, you know, try to steer the ship that way instead of just pre-ordering it because it's a new Assassin's Creed. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really weird one because it was like the game didn't even come out and people were already saying, I will not enjoy this or buy this. And they were able to get the studio to see that and to listen. Well, I mean... That is a weird one, like, when it comes to video games, because, like, everything I've heard about, like, what people weren't interested in that game felt like it's stuff that eight more months ain't gonna change. Like, the core gameplay, how things worked and stuff, like, I don't think you're gonna adjust that in eight months. Yeah, um, well, I think a lot of the blowback was there was, like, three in-game currencies. Three in-game currencies. And microtransactions. Yeah, it definitely was built as a game as service. And I heard, like, a lot of complaints about, like, everyone seemed very, like, you're running around with as a person with a gun, whether you're playing Halley or King Shack, which, why is King Shack got a gun? Oh, yeah. I don't know, but, um, and stuff He's like that. I mean, I feel like... I mean, I feel like another example of that maybe um, in the movie sphere would be like the Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. Human teeth. teeth Sonic. Human Teeth Sonic. <laughs> um, which, you know, was something that, you know, like there was the huge blowback. Everyone screamed about it. It got they, they cranked out, reworked it, you know, and then the VFX studio that did it got shut down. Yeah. like ouch went bankrupt um, maybe i can't remember ah uh, something like that the, the, they went out of business i don't remember exactly why but i assume it's probably because their contract made them have to retool it and they worked uber hours to get it done in time and then probably mm -hmm. just went under but yeah like it wasn't good but yeah so it is it is interesting when fans have that interaction pre because mm -hmm. we, we we don't really know whether or not We'll like it. We see clips and we make a judgment. I mean, don't get me wrong. Human Teeth Sonic freaked me out, too. That's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he had a great cameo in a, the Chippendale movie. Did you guys watch that? I did not. He, so one of the characters in it, because, I mean, the whole thing is like cartoons and characters are real. Um, one of the other people on the convention circuit with them is uh, Ugly Sonic, voiced by Tim <laughs> Robinson of I Think You Should Leave. Oh, wow. And it's it literally is just human teeth Sonic. Like they just like made their own version of him, and it's terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess um, my my maybe last question here would be: Has it ever felt legitimate to you? Um, it, 
In what regard specifically? Like, has has the the pressure around like you got to see it, you got to play it? Have, have you ever been like, actually, I'm on the side of the pressure here? I'm gonna say for me, no, because I am oddly, I'm a weird bar- like variable, uh, where I don't find like like so Baldur's Gate's out right. Yeah, all my friends are playing that. They're saying it's amazing all this stuff they're talking about it where we're like in in discord and i have no what they're talking about but it sounds great but i other than that like i don't see spoilers i don't see the memes i'm just really good at avoiding any sort of thing that just mm-hmm. triggers hype for whatever reason like i went on for a very long time not seeing the end of the last of us the game oh and I never and I, and I never knew until i played it and everyone was really shocked that i just never i never saw it but i'm just like i just don't seek it out so I'm very, okay. I'm very present in my place in the hype, but there, there are times where maybe I do, but that's only because I follow a certain like a uh, dev company or like a publisher, and I know they put out really good games, and mm-hmm. it's like a series. Like, then I'll probably be really happy now. We'll most likely get it. Other than that, like it's more of like I have to kind of look as we talked earlier. Like, is this appeal to what I want? Does it have a really good interest or like a really good angle or like artwork mm-hmm. or something that will make me be really inclined to try it out yeah gotcha yeah yeah um i think that like there have been i've no, i i don't think i've ever been like conscientious of it in that way but there have definitely been times like i mentioned before like i can remember like when we used when we were in the like x-men spider-man random superhero era mm-hmm. of movies like yeah, we'd see trails like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to be good, but I want more of this, so I want to go I see it. I will watch Rise of the Silver hope- Surfer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw the Fantastic Four movies in the theater, um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so like there, there was definitely those sorts of moments where it's like, or like, you know, I'll take it, like I used to, I mean, I don't anymore because there's just so much, but like if I saw a game that even looked like it might, like there was a solid chance that it was good and it was like in the turn-based tactics genre of video games Mm. i love those games so if other people are giving it a seven eh, i might like it more than that just because that's really my jam so i would sometimes take the risk just because i don't want those franchises to die because it seems like you know as we've gone on everything becomes real time and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and so like i don't want to see those go away completely but um for the most part i tend to just I'm going to play what I want to play and, you know, everything else is just kind of, you know, what it is. I'm, I'm almost. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Do much. Do you think that's kind of think... like more like a, a generational thing? Like does this echo across mm. all like people of any age or just certain pockets? That's a good question. People, yeah. Right. I, yeah. Cause I, I feel like for me, the answer is like the pressure itself is never legitimate in that you know you should spend your money on what you want to spend it on you should enjoy the things you're spending it on um but also in that like just enjoy what you want like there's also nothing wrong with participating at launch yeah you know like i mean they announced that there was going to be a tony hawk's pro skater remake for one and two and i was like okay i'm buying that the day it comes (laughs) out and that's a me choice like that's you know and that that wasn't even like, oh, now I'm in the moment with people. That was just like, I want this for me. 
Um, versus I think I will say that I, there are games where I try to hype people into it and I am the pressure. Like, and that's always with games where it's like, well, I want my community to also be enjoying this. Like I'll tell my friends that they need to pick up animal crossing or, you know, whatever it is that we're all playing right now. Um, but again, the pressure I don't think is legitimate because those studios are going to make their choices. However, like there are also things that have done great and still been canceled or things that have done poorly and been given second chances. Um, so <laughs> it's, you know, it's capitalism is just a nonsense game and the rules are made up. And I feel like thinking that you have to do X, Y, Z, it's, it's almost like a consumerist superstition. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the people who like champion it where they're like, yeah, if we don't do this, it's not going to happen. It's like, you don't have to go see Barbie three times opening weekend to make sure it does well. Like you can see it once you could see it the second or third weekend it comes out. You could watch it on DVD, like do what you're going to do and what works for you. And even if you do see it, you know, for all, you know, uh, you know, the, the studio execs, the lesson they're going to take from that is we need to make more games based on children's toys and not why that too, people learn the wrong lesson. <laughs> and barbie i mean barbie is the funny mattel has not learned a single right lesson from barbie and it's very sad yeah that that kind of goes into like i guess trends and like when it seems like when something does really well like a specific like genre or Mm -hmm. like theme everyone just goes on that theme yeah which is like which is fine but then i feel like it's like buried like for a while uh zombie movies and stuff were were really great in the beginning and then they Mm -hmm. just kind of like became the same thing i think though now there's a slight resurgence but i think only because in my opinion uh like korean uh had they've been putting mm-hmm. out some really solid like zombie uh tv yeah. shows and movies and it's phenomenal it's so good <laughs> yeah i think that's that's interesting too is that yeah like somebody will do something everyone else jumps on board and then it's like well, I don't know that I wanted more of this. I just liked this. Like, yeah. I liked this one. I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, I guess Barbie is the, is like, we got Greta Gerwig making a Barbie movie, and now we also have um, Lena Dunham making a Polly Pocket movie. I don't, I don't, that's unnecessary. No, thank you. Yeah, so she's making a Polly Pocket movie because Mattel learned the wrong lessons. Uh well, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean, the biggest example of that I feel like that we've all suffered through for the last fifteen years is Marvel made a uh, connect an expanded universe movie series. Yep. Let's all do it. <laughs> and now you got to participate at launch for everyone to make sure that they happen. Which actually, in that instance, it it's not true because the movie has to do well to warrant making more. But like, how many times has Universal tried to start the monster universe? <laughs> no. There was so there was Dracula Untold, there was the Mummy, the Mummy, and then the the Invisible Man was the one where it's like okay this feels like a start but they haven't put one out since then. What was the Invisible Man? So, out of that? Uh, I think the Invisible Man was maybe an attempt at a new one. Oh okay, roughly. But it's like you guys have like three times done a monster movie. I think in hopes of starting a monster un- a shared monster universe, and it's just not working. Um, although the invisible man, I think it's just that they're like, well, how do we have this movie and then also make the wolf man and also make Frankenstein and they just need to bring Abbott and Costello back and it'll all work, man. That actually, that movie's good. <laughs> I'll defend it. I had fun watching that one. Do not watch. Cannot. 
comment on that. <laughs> there's it's there's this it's a it's a dumb gag, but there's this candlestick gag where Frankenstein is like in a coffin, and one of them sets down a candlestick, and he turns around, and Frankenstein tries to get out, and the candle slides down the coffin lid, and then he turns around and he sees it, and he just moves it back to where it was, and then it's just a dumb like physical gag, and they just repeat that a few <laughs> times, and it works like. It's like weird slapstick comedy with a big dead guy, and it's fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, all that to say, like, I think it's been a good conversation, and really what it comes down to is, like, like the things that you like, which is, has become a recent trend in episodes on But Why, though. Um, but just like stuff, and spend your money how you want to spend it, and don't feel like you have to see things opening weekend. I mean, obviously, there's some truth to, like, studios are looking at these numbers, but it's also not like your fault uniquely as a human being if something doesn't get a sequel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's it, it, as long as, you know, I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, like there's always, you know, like you always want to support things that you like and whatnot as much as you can. But, mm-hmm. you know, don't, yeah, never feel pressured. I mean, I mean, the, the, the best example of like that whole, I mean, Grant, I mean, the numbers it ultimately ended up doing, but like, you know, they always talk about how important, like, the huge opening weekend is until you look at something like, you know, that first Avatar movie that didn't blow up. It just, <laughs> yeah. you know, did good for, like, three months, and, you know, there it is, and now we can't escape it. But, so, you know, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's tough because you always want us, you, we, we, we always want to support the things we love, and, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. though, you know, there's a lot to love out there right now, so, you know, oh my God, you, yes. gotta, you gotta make your Absolutely. choices. Definitely. Uh, Catherine, any, any closing thoughts? I would say just be, be present. Enjoy whatever is, comes to you <laughs> in whatever fashion of genre me, or medium. Yep. And, uh, and take it at, in stride. Cue, cue it up if you got to. Netflix is there. It'll probably come on so many streaming services. Uh, now we have still books and stuff too, so they'll be out in time. Yeah. In time, yeah. Everything's going to be out watch and play and you know listen and read in the way that works for you um but yeah that does it for this week and before we go do you guys have any articles you want to plug or media that you want to recommend well um i got to uh get early hands-on with sea of stars my reviews up on the site right now um it is a fantastic um homage to the 16-bit era of jrpgs with plenty of with all of the annoying old stuff gone and plenty of new flourishes um it's actually came out day one on game pass and playstation plus so it's a lot of places and unfortunately wedged between boulders gate and sea and starfield so Highly recommend checking it out. Took me like I want to play the hell out of that. Took me like thirty hours to play. I I'm gave gonna, it a perfect ten I'm gonna out of ten. Participate at launch. I'm gonna go against everything we just said. <laughs> and I'm gonna go download that after this. <laughs> Looks really good. I was interested in that too. Yeah, it's it, it's phenomenal. It will it will quite likely be my game of the year. I think so. I'll be surprised Ooh, if anything's able to beat it. That's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with Baldur's Gate out. Um, I, yeah, and you said you had a review up for that? Uh, yep, yeah, my review for Sea of Stars is up on the site right now. And I am 20 hours into Baldur's Gate, and so far I would say I've would I have I've enjoyed Sea of Stars much more. <laughs> I, I like Baldur's Gate. There's a lot of good stuff there. Whoa. But. I want to see these duke it out at everyone's Game of the Year list. <laughs> I need to play more. I need, I need to find more time to play the games, Alex, before I make <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, and do you have anything that you want to recommend? Um, f- well, for right now, I would say I have two. So I have Remnant 2, which is actually pretty good, in comparison to Remnant 1. A um, little different, 
very open world kind of our um rng map making and everything it's fantastic a lot of like customizations the other one is an indie game from devolver and uh, they make really fantastic games uh the team is deconstruct team and they are really good at making narrative pieces and it's the cosmic wheel sisterhood yes i have not heard of that but yes intrigued uh and it's a great game that deals with tarot and uh at the time i believe when they made that game it was when they were in the pandemic so it's kind of inspired by the pandemic and isolation and how when you're in an isolated state uh how you come to i guess place yourself in your own skin how you deal mm-hmm. with things and how you choose to move forward uh so it's a really great that game sounds cool yeah yeah it's on switch that. and it's on pc currently all right mm-hmm. um and i'm going to recommend a bunch of dc stuff because that's where i'm at right now uh so first um Harley Quinn animated series season four is uh, it's on the second half. It's close to wrapping up has been great. Lots of character development and just very interesting stuff. Um, Right along with that also available through max is my adventures with Superman, which is an anime about Superman, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen as interns for the daily planet. Um, And it's just like a fun, weird take on Superman and I'm really enjoying it. And then I started reading an older short series called Doom Patrol Milk Wars. Have you guys heard of this one? Sounds familiar. Is it older or newer? Uh, like I think like five years old. Okay. Uh, but the whole premise is that there is this like weird, evil meta organization called Retcon, and they are trying to like sell Earth Prime by retconning it into whatever the purchaser wants it to be. Is kind of what's going on. I'm only like two issues in. So they, you know, talk about how, well, there's the basic DNA of all heroes and we just have to like tweak them and use, they use milk is what they call it to like manipulate everything. And so there's like Batman is a priest who runs an orphanage um, and is like turning these kids into Robins. Like it's like an orphanage of Robins. (laughs) That sounds delightful. (laughs) It's yeah, it's great. And then like they talk about how the only person that they were having trouble like duplicating or tweaking was Superman. So they made their own. Uh, and he's the one who's their enforcer and he is milkman, man. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, if you, if you've watched the doom patrol show or read the comics, like, you know, this kind of like goofy weirdness is just what you can expect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I think it's great. Um, but that is all that I have to recommend. So um, that said, let's transition out here. Um, If you liked what you heard and you want more, you're in luck because we're basically everywhere. Um, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, technically blue sky, but not really. Um, Like, comment, subscribe, retweet, leave us a review on iTunes, like all the engagement, like we'll take it. Um, And if you really, really like what you heard, you can kick us a few bucks on Patreon and that helps us keep the show and the site going. Um, As for me, you can find me on Twitter at most always Alex and Catherine, where can they find you? You can find me on X uh, has Keiko, K-I-K-O, Parsons underscore on that and everywhere else too. All right. And Charles? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gatsu083. All right. And that does it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.